Okay. All right. So, um, thanks again, everyone, for coming out. Um, we're uh, today we're going to get you guys worked into the very very beginning of the class. Uh, so you guys all have your binder materials in front of you, um, and we're going to walk through those kind of kind of step by step and start moving through the material. Um, but I guess just just to start out, we kind of want to start with a why why do we actually get into judging or why do we? Actually so you're going to stand. So I, I like to stand. Sorry, okay. <laughs> sitting down. <laughs> you don't have to stand. Well, no. Um, so I the people get into judging for a lot of different reasons um, because hey, it sounds really really cool. Okay, I can go out and be a beer judge. People will get excited about me telling them my humble opinion about their beers. Um, I think one of the one of the best reasons is actually what Bertrand talked about a little earlier. For people who are brewers, you can suddenly develop a much more intimate knowledge of your brewing process um, by understanding a. Or first of all, you you've gone through the process, but now you're still a little you're confused by where all the flavors come together. As you get a better idea of where all those flavors come together and the processes that led up to that, you develop a much 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 better effects or consequence and um, results kind of. Uh, a view towards uh, your own brewing, which allows you to take steps back, alter things, and tune things in a lot better as well. Um, and, and, and then there's just the being able to support these competitions that come up and all, all, all around. Um, there's a bunch of other different approaches towards judging. I mean, your thoughts on uh, it's mostly being okay to start drinking at 8.30 in the morning. Yes, you uh, are sanctioned. <laughs> it's, it's a hobby, not a problem. Um, you know, that's yeah, I think it's it's also it, it applies into all sorts of things. You can take your beer tasting into food, you know, and really think about the, the things that you're consuming and uh, and just really uh, I, don't, I don't want to call it mindful, but you know, you're really sort of aware of what's going on. Um. So our goals with this class are to be able to have everyone in the class be prepared enough to take uh, the BJCP exam at the at the end of it, um, when they whether they decide to or not. Um, it's to give you enough of uh, vocabulary to speak intelligently um, about the different beers and be able to creatively describe what you're tasting. Um, to give you understanding of faults, uh, what causes them, um, and an understanding of the overall brewing process and how that leads up to a process in the glass and how to provide constructive feedback to someone who's submitted their beer to you for evaluation, either as a friend or in a formal competition, or in your own. Um, so... Uh, with that, uh, today we're going to go through, a, we've already been through a little of the logistics uh, beforehand. Um, we're going to go through an overview of the BJCP exam, uh, what the current kind of format and structure is. Um, go through a little bit of the guidelines as well and talk about the, the structure of that. Um, we're going to talk a little about uh, the judging processes and techniques, so we're going to go through a bunch of the, the items in the binder manual, like the, the judge procedure manual. Um, then we're going to go through one big kind of t tasting overview of practice tasting together um, so we can get familiar with some of the score sheets that we'll be playing out later. Um, and then in, uh, as we keep moving forward, then we'll actually go into a uh, tasting session and we'll be covering um, some darker European lagers today. So um, so what we'll start out with um, is we'll start going through the binders. Um, so if you want to grab those and take those out, uh, we'll work through the materials that you guys have and what they're all going to be used for. Okay, so um, 
at the very beginning of your binder, um, we got the, a, a quick contents of what's going to be in there. Uh, one of the recommendations I have is go grab some post-it notes and maybe make little tabs uh, for where all these things are. Um, and I'll just preface this with the one thing that didn't, for some reason, get the three hole punch in it was the 2015 guidelines, which is fine because you probably want to keep that outside your binder, keep that handy at all times as it is. Um, okay, so first we have uh, the syllabus, um, which is going to tell you what we're going to cover every week. Um, and it's also very, very importantly going to have your after-class homework. Um, and we're, we're kind of serious about doing a little offline uh, work to get up to speed to have a really good, meaningful conversation. Um, if you don't do the homework, I'm a little skeptical of people being able to, to develop the knowledge, read enough, and, and that I'm not just re spinning out to you and then be able to pass the exam at the end of it. Um, so please take the time, go through, read the, little, read the sections just to get an orientation. Um, you're going to need to read them again if you're going to go through and take the exam to make sure that you have it up. So please, please do your homework. Um, so yeah, we'll basically work through. We're going to work through every Monday for nine weeks straight. Is uh, the current real quick is Labor Day going to be an issue for anyone in terms of Monday Labor Day? Uh, okay. okay, we we can maybe discuss moving class. And there was one day that we have to move. There's one day we need to fix the location, but we'll, we'll we should be able to figure that out okay. too. So yeah, we'll we'll think about the the class. That's where. Week four, I said may change date um, for the for Labor Day one. Um, but basically, we're we're going to work our way through a bunch of different styles in each class. We're going to have uh, technical topics. We're going to discuss some judging aspects. Uh, we may do some practice questions, and we'll cover off flavors, and then move into tasting um, towards the end of the night. Um, okay, so syllabus just just keep that around as a reference to, as you as we keep moving through everything. All right, after that, we've got um, the BJCP exam study guide. Okay, this is going to be the heart of a lot of reading. Um, the BJCP exam study guide will cover basically um, the overall judging processes, uh, what, some in basic information about the program, and then walk through um, all of the major steps of the brewing process, uh, key things that you need to understand about the brewing process in order to understand basically how uh, factors that would affect a, a flavor or aroma or color later on. Um, and then it kind of wraps up, I think, with the um, troubleshooting um, section as well, which has some of the faults and descriptions of uh, what the faults and causes are of those. This is going to be one of the, the Bibles that you really, really want to spend some time getting familiar with as we go through the class. Um, after that, we'll go, we would kind of have the 2015 style guidelines. Um, so this is what we're going to be focusing, or sorry, so we've got the 2008 guidelines after that. Um, so BJCP used to kind of, well, they did what, 2004, 2019, something, and then 2008. They hadn't updated them for a while, and they just came out with the 2015 guidelines, obviously, this year. And they're working through the transition program for uh, getting everything transitioned over to um, the 2015 guidelines. Um, so in competitions right now, you may see some that are still using the 2008 guidelines and some that are already moving over to the 2015. They added a lot of styles. They, they restructured a lot of things with the 2015 guidelines. Um, they kept most of the styles that were in the 2008 guidelines. Um, 
I've toyed around maybe with a few of the commercial examples for those. Um, so in general, the 2008 is a subset of the 2015. So as we're going looking towards the exam um, timeline, we technically have an exam on October uh, and one exam in November, and November is the crossover for the 2015 structure. Or whatever tasting exam I administer is supposedly to the 2015 guidelines. As the organizer of both those exams, I can promise you that I'm only going to use exams that are covered by the 2008 guidelines, so you'll be covered no matter what. Um, the exams are supposed to be beers that are pretty mainstream. You're not supposed to go get random crap baby beer and, and put that into the, to the exam. Um, so we're going to focus this class on the 2015 guidelines um, and work our way through. We may discuss a few things that may have, may have not changed from the, the 2008. Um, but focus on the 2015 for what you're covering because it will cover both the 2008 and the 2015 topics. Now, in terms of other guidelines out there, there's also the Brewers Association guidelines, which change or they are updated every year. There's other guidelines for every competition. This overall class should be teaching you how to approach any set of guidelines and try to evaluate a beer objectively to those um, guidelines. So, you know, there's a lot of different resources out there. There just only happens to be one exam program based around a set of guidelines. Okay, so after that, after those two guidelines, you've got um, some example score sheets. Um, they're going to be, so you're going to have your, a beer score sheet. This is what a standard competition score sheet is going to look like. So if you need to make copies of these for doing practice ones at your home, uh, you're welcome to. Um, the one key difference between this score sheet and the score sheets that you guys are going to be filling out um, kind of on, on every class um, is that this includes the um, false descriptors and it has a little uh, less space than the, the normal beer score sheets. Um, otherwise, no, no real significant differences. Um, after that, you've got mead and cider score sheets. Um, there are different um, guidelines and actually in the 2015 guidelines, they've pulled cider and mead out of the guidelines for their own separate guidelines. Um, They've got different values for different areas in terms of like the appearances for a cider is worth six as compared for a beer it's worth three. Um, different processes for going through those. There's also two, and it, there's a meat exam currently um, and they're starting up a cider exam as well. We're not going to be covering those in this class, but there's, there's other resources out there for learning about those. Um, after that, we should have our beer faults checklist, and this is one that you might want to pull out as well in terms of being something that you're going to refer to a lot of time. Um, this is where it goes through the major kind of uh, characteristics that can be off flavors, typically due to fermentation problems or, or some sort of a process problem, and different solutions for resolving those. Um, great, great, great resource that we'll be referring to every time that we go through and we do some of the faults tasting. Um, after that, we have a series of uh, judge instructions and judging information. So we got judge instructions are the ones that will typically pop up if you go to a BJCP um, competition. They'll have these there as a, as a way to put everyone on kind of a level set. Um, page after that, uh, how to judge a beer. Uh, just a very, very quick essay uh, that, that, character or that moves you through a standard process for evaluating beer. Um, then we move into another important um, document, which is the uh, BJCP Competition Judges Procedure uh, Manual, which tells you all the different roles and responsibilities of the people and how you're supposed to carry yourself uh, as you go through um, uh, a judging process. 
these this document is referenced within the exam question, so they'll they'll go in and say on the on, online exam on the online exam. Well, and do they do it for the new written? Well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure, <clears throat> but they'll cover things like courtesy lowest scores and other things like in there. Um, so after that, technically, they have that flavor wheel that we gave you, and that's one that we recommend that you keep out as well. The flavor wheel is a great reference for helping you um, visually dig up a word that describes what you're tasting. Um, when you're tasting something and you have this kind of nebulous, cloudy flavor out there, um, sometimes just a pin of a word will just break, kind of break through that cloud overall and let you hone in exactly on that. And if you just if you see the word, sometimes it'll just it'll go. Oh, okay, yeah, that that was totally uh, black cherry. Okay, I, I, it's just kind of getting muddled before, but yeah, that's a black cherry. Um, and we'll work our way through understanding. Uh, one of the nice things about this flavor wheel is that the way that it actually breaks everything down. Um, so as you approach a beer, there's um, you can start out with the most basic uh, terminology: is this beer is beer, okay, and it provides absolutely no value to anyone describing the beer. Uh, but then you can start breaking into its major components, okay, the malt profile, the hop profile. So this beer is hoppy. This beer is malty. Um, but those are pretty much the lowest overall aggregate words for describing that. Um, but then you start to want to move into the, uh, the, the next layer of depth for breaking apart those words. So you've got, uh, instead of malty, is it bready? Is it um, crusty? Is it toasty? Um, is it roasty? Um, and these are starting to get into some of the more detailed, like the third level definitions. Um, as you get in there, and is, is, it, is it a, um, let's see, it's, it's like a, is it a pumpernickel bread kind of notice? It's a wheat. Uh, wheat you'll bread. notice that, you know, because barley is a cereal <coughs> grain, the malt tends to come across, you know, comparatively with other malty, you know, yes. you know, lightly burnt toast, you know, white bread toast, or, you know, I mean, you get. But then as you move into hoppy, hop character, that's where you're going to start picking up, all right, this is a resinous hop. This is a, uh, a fruity hop. Okay, but is it fruity? Is it citrusy? Is it now grapefruity? Is it now um, grapefruit rind? Is this melon? Is this melon pith? Um, those are the levels that we, you just, you want to start moving up from hoppy, I want to start moving into the, the characters of hops, and then I want to move into the details of hops as we keep going through this class. And certain beers will lend themselves to helping identify those unique markers as we as we move through. Um, but so the, keep keep this wheel in mind as a, as a guide as we as we move forward, that we can keep moving our, our words into better and more um, meaningful to other people kind of um, definitions. Um, after that, we got creating great score sheets, which is a, a little essay about trying to do your best to actually convey what's going on with the beer, how you calibrate scores, different approaches towards that. Um, got some uh, just quick examples of what a really, really, I think these are supposed to be master level um, score sheets would end up looking like and you start to see how they're, they're getting in and they're describing intensities, um, they're just getting down into great descriptors, they're making sure they cover everything within the, the, the different sections that you're supposed to be covering. Um, uh, so just a couple examples uh, in there, good and bad beers. We got some exams for when you actually end up, or sorry, some tips for when you end up taking the exams. Um, in particular, focused on the tasting exam itself. And then we've got a whole bunch of documents that we'll be going through, which are extracts mainly from the study guide to help move us through our conversation. We'll be referencing those on different classes levels. 
And I think that's just about it. Um, and the other thing that's not quite, I mean, we got some information on um, recipe formulation. Um, so what we'll be doing every class, though, is, um, if, and if you didn't grab these, so as we go through and we do our tasting, we're just to get, keep getting you familiar with the score sheet. We're going to have you fill out um, score sheets for each of the, the beers that we're, we're going through. We're not concerned necessarily about putting scores to it, but it's a way to help making sure you go, okay, am I commenting on malt, esters, hops as I, as I taste each, each of these beers? Get you practice going through the, the motions of filling out the, the score sheet. So, Basically, when you get a beer, we'll go through 3A or whatever the category is. You can fill up the top 3A, um, write out what the commercial example is, just so you have that for reference. And then we'll go through it, and as we taste through it, we can practice filling these out and writing down things that we notice. Um, so you'll need to grab a few of these every class as, as we go forward. I will tend to, we'll throw them up here. Um, and I think, yeah, that's about it for the budget. Okay. So, um, going back to our syllabus. This is the only way I can figure out how we can go forward. Okay, so I'm going to go into um, some detail on the, the BJCP exam itself. Okay, uh, so we'll, actually, we'll grab for now. We'll go ahead and grab um, your BJCP exam study guide, and we'll we'll page through this a bit um, just to give you a little more orientation. Um, so. Study guide starts out covering a little bit of the history of the BJCP program, um, uh, moves into the overall beer judging uh, process, and then talking about the beer um, exam. So I think at this point we can talk a little bit about what the current exam structure is. Do you want to? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, basically, the BJCP changed the exam format. It used to be a three-hour exam where you took a written section and a tasting section. Um, and had to judge, so you, did, you judged four beers uh, and had to do you know, basically three hours of essay writing. Um, what they decided to do was pare it down, and so now there's, a, uh, there's an online uh, entry exam that you have to take. You have an hour to answer some number of questions correctly. Um, I forget what the cost is, 15? It's 200, uh, or sorry, it's 200 questions, I think, 60 minutes. You do, I think we believe that you have to get about 60% of them right, and I think it's it's, 10, it's either 10 or 15 bucks to take it online. 10 or 15, and that gives you basically a piece of paper that says, I can now take the tasting exam. Um, and it's, I mean, that's a lots of true and false, multiple choice, kind of fill in the blank, um, comparisons, it'll ask you... Maybe like what are the three styles have in common, or they'll maybe ask you some of the judging protocol questions, true false. Yeah. Um, I think most of the <laughs> secret is you know there are questions that are like you know choose one or more of these that can be said about X, and you know if you really burn cycles <laughs> trying to come up with the right answer, you know answer it, gut reaction, move on. You know you're going to get enough questions that you know the answer to, you can answer them. It's just about getting through the. Uh, the questions in an hour. Yeah, and one of the one of the things we've done in the past is we have a we create a fake person and we'll go in the back of the room. We'll let you guys go in groups of like four or five. Actually, practice taking some of the questions uh, as a class, um, just to get you familiar of what it looks like. So when you guys do go online and take it, you're not just flustered the first time. Um, and this, I think the last time we did the class passed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's it's just one of those. Get familiar, don't waste a lot of time, um, and, and kind of keep moving through it. Uh, so then, 
assuming you sign up for the, uh, the the tasting exam, it's an hour and a half now, six beers, um, covering, you know, they ask the, the exam administrators to cover, you know, roasty, a hoppy style, a Belgian yeast-driven style, along with, you know, some may be doctored with faults that, uh, you know, that, that should be able to be picked out. Um, so you, you'll fill out, it's closed book, um, so you're going to fill out the score sheets. Uh, those are going to get scanned, sent off to, uh, to graders along with uh, proctors score sheets for comparison. Um, and I'll be one of the proctors uh, for the exam that, that, that you end up taking. Um, uh, depending on your score there, uh, you know, below 60 is uh, you're an apprentice judge, 60 to 70 you're a certified judge, uh, sorry. sorry, recognized, 70 to 80 you're a certified judge, 80 to 90 you're a national level judge. You're eligible to be national. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yes, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Um, but there's also an experience point. So when you judge competitions, you provide them with your BJCP ID. You are then credited with coming in and doing it. So for certified, you need at least five judging points. Um, you know, beyond that, it's the, the increments go up 20 for national, um, and then above 90 is a, is a master, uh, potential master. Yes. Um, if you do get above an 80 score, you're then, and you have the experience points uh, to attain a national or master rank. They made this very tough. So basically, so out of the tasting exam, you can get one of three ranks. You can either get apprentice, recognized, and be eligible for certified at that point if you had some points. Um, if you score 80 or higher, it you can't reach national or master until you take the written exam. Right, which is a half of what the written exam used to be. You're no longer tasting beer along with it. It's hour and a half. Hour and a half. And half five questions. Six, yeah, five questions. I think. Um, yeah. But that's we aren't going to touch much on that yeah. uh, because this, that's a whole different preparation. Yeah. Now that being said, this class was structured originally to pass. The combined written and tasting. So you'll see as we go through some of the topics why they got grouped together is because they were meant to address a specific question um, that was on the old exam. Like there's, we cover like finding topic or a finding um, kind of agents, and it's a very, very specific question that's on the exam. Um, so this material is at least going to get you in the ballpark as well for when you want to, uh, if you do eventually want to take the, the written exam. Um, so, and like Pete said, there's the whole accumulating points, and you get points for judging, you get points for stewarding. Um, if you guys go out and judge right now, you'll, they'll actually award them retroactively for, they say, for two years, but I, I know people Pretty much forever. a lot farther back. They'll just dig up your name and say, hey, this guy's from Washington, let's see what, what competitions or they've helped out with. Um, so, as, you're, as we're going through this class, don't be afraid to go out and judge in some competitions. It's really good practice to help you get ready for the exam. Um, I know November Fest will be right before the exam, or yeah, you know, right before. So, um, ah, never mind. It's actually after. So, but yeah, yeah, just just good practice. There's a few other competitions coming up as well. Um, any questions about the exam structure? It, it it got very very confusing. It was all because they were getting way 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 too slow in terms of grading the exams, and they're still having issues with grading the exams. Um, but it's, it's just kind of it's a volunteer program. You get what you pay for. Um, okay, uh, then the, it'll continue on. Go through the, the kind of the, the judging process, uh, taking notes and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then it works into so you've got actually some of the BJCP exam questions. Uh, it tells you 
Uh, they, the nice thing is about the BJCP exam, they don't hide questions from you in general. And, I mean, for all these true and false ones, they've got the, the basically the correct answer, and these are the ones that are going to go into the judging pool. They don't publish the, old, the entire judging pool of questions in terms of comparing all the different um, uh, styles, because there's like 6,000 questions, I think, in the database. Um, so doesn't really provide that. But then you can actually see the, the written exam questions as well, what we were talking about. They compare these three styles to try the aroma, and they give all the different combinations that could possibly go together, and all of these are unfortunately about to change with the new guidelines. Um, so we'll see what they come out with. Um, unfortunately, we're not covering them. Um, and then kind of lays out a course. Talks about, there's, there's a, if you want to also practice doctoring beers on your own, if you happen to miss one of the classes, They've got some good kind of doctoring recipes in, in here to, to use. Um, and then it works its way through an orientation of the guidelines, and then it starts into the overall uh, brewing process. Um, so this is, once again, a Bible for, or for us. We keep going. We're going to be referring to this a lot as we move through the class. Okay. Um, all right. So let's see. Um, Let's cover the, the guidelines real quick. If you want to uh, take out the, well, let's just take out the 2015 guidelines. We'll give you a little overview to the structure of their, their new format. Um, so right up front, you've got all of just basically your table contents, obviously. Um, um, little overview towards <laughs> the different groupings that they came up with. And the funny thing is, this became, became a very, very they're trying to justify everything that they did as compared to just laid out there. Um, the and they, they talk about all the different uh, statistics, but uh, if you go to, to page uh, six, I guess, um, it'll walk through everything that we're going to see for every different style that we have out there. So um, let's see. So and they're kind of oh, working a little backwards. The, the overall impression, um, basically they, they give all the major highlights of, uh, of the style that are going to define the style and make it uh, unique compared to other styles that are out there. Um, then you've got uh, the sections of uh, appearance, aroma, flavor, and mouthfeel. They're in those, well, I guess they're in those order because that technically is the way it's visually pre or presented to you when it comes on, on the table. Um, but as we go through it, we're going to use an alternate um, approach, which is going to be the aroma, appearance, uh, flavor, and mouthfeel, because we always want to grab the aroma first, because it's more volatile than anything else, and then work our way into actually tasting the beer and focusing on more of the, the, the stable aspects of the beer. Um, but so if we look at any given style, it's going to go through kind of in order the intensity of all the different components that you should be perceiving for that style. Um, so if, if right up front, if you're on American IPA, it's probably going to start talking about hops very, very, or as the first thing, as compared to something maybe like a Vienna Lager where you're going to be getting it to malt uh, pretty quickly. It'll describe the intensities uh, of these characters and then provide some range of different flavors that may or may not be included in, in the style profile. Um, and work its way through all the different uh, aspects. So for Roma, it's going to talk about the tops, the malts, the esters, and possibly even the water profile if you can really, really smell them in the early aspect. Um, then as we get into appearance, um, we're going to get into, it'll, it'll talk about the, the major sections of, okay, what is the general color? What is the, um, is it clear? What's the head uh, look like? Uh, what is the, um, what color is it? What's the texture like? 
um, for each of the different styles, and it's going to provide a little bit of a range. Um, and if we go to page, um, where is it? Um, if we go to page X for ten, <laughs> um, it'll provide uh, some technical or some words that correlate to the different color references or the SRMs. So it'll have right there. It's, it'll have like straws is two to three SRM, yellow is three to four SRM. So you can at least keep that that kind of color scale um, in mind as you go through. Repeat. Well, pass these. They'll send you one of these. I believe they still do this. Um, it's their SRM guide, just sort of give an idea of what uh, uh, when you see a number, what the the color corresponding to that is. So useful little thing to have around. Um, you won't be able to use it for the exam, though. Um, so, okay, you'll know, continue through the, the uh, appearance, work its way into flavor. Very, very similar um, format to the aroma as well, except you're going to start getting into some of the balance aspects um, and the uh, aftertaste and the finish. Um, then it'll move into mouthfeel, um, and mouthfeel is going to be a tactile sensation as compared to a flavor sensation. We'll talk about this a little more later, but... Um, everything that should be in the mouthfeel section is, should be something that you it, it, you feel and does not involve actually, I guess, the, the basal cavity there. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, the bigger issue is people tend to move some of those mouthfeel characteristics into the flavor, um, whereas the BJCP really wants the, the, the delineation between the two sections. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. so, but we'll, so we'll be hammering that uh, a little bit to That's what the fist was. <laughs> Um, as we go through the tasting and, and really harp on, you know, make sure you're not saying this, you know, in the flavor section. Mm -hmm. um, and then, once again, it kind of wraps up with the overall impression. Um, or actually, they start with the overall impression. But as you're judging, that's going to be where you kind of summarize everything and go back and do what the style guidelines to do and figure out if it actually makes sense for that style and how it artistically worked together. Um, so another nice little stuff. Uh, thing that they've added to the, the, the front of the guidelines, which is like the sub-page or page 7. They started to give uh, some extra words uh, that you can actually end up using. So they've got that little glossary, um, sorry, on page 9, um, where you've got some terms that characterize American hops, and they'll give some little, a little profile of a few of the flavors that you may find in there. Some new world, old world hops. you got some different kind of malt products as well, different fruits you may see from fermentation profiles. So some other things similar to the flavor wheel to, to kind of peg on to as you understand and diagnose uh, some of the, the products. And it also goes into some of the off flavors as well. Um, so they, they added a lot more different kind of references up front. Um, but then once you get over into the main section, you just start pounding through um, all the different categories. Um, they'll throw in a little bit of a history, uh, which is you, something that you need to know for when you actually take the written exam in particular, about the style, when it was first um, created, something, and then maybe something unique about that kind of style uh, profile. Um, what kind of ingredients go into it, uh, so it'll get into whether or not you're using a lot of specialty malts, adjuncts, if you're um, using certain kinds of hops or yeast and water profiles. Um, little style comparison to make sure that you understand this different relative to other nearby categories, um, which becomes a very important discriminator in some competitions. Is 
a lot of beers might be able to span certain categories and still do pretty well within them, but there probably was one that it was going to gravitate towards um, a little better. A lot of the styles <laughs> do overlap um, and have a fair amount of overlap in terms of statistics and uh, flavor profiles, but it's a balance um, that really defines the, the overall integration. Um, and it's got some stats. These aren't stats you're going to need to remember, but they're stats that eventually that you'll want to kind of understand the, the implications of these stats on what you're kind of perceiving. If you're dealing with a beer that's got a final gravity of 0.998, it's a very light beer, okay? It's going to have a very, very light mouthfeel um, as compared to something that's going to have a 10, 20, or 20, 20 25. Um, and then it'll, they'll provide some commercial examples. We'll be using some of these for, for to bring as commercial examples as well. I think Pete will probably also try to grab some. Um, yeah, they've narrowed the range of, uh, of beers for each style uh, because obviously beers drift over time. Um, so I'll do my best. Uh, I believe I've got a Vienna lager that they specifically call out as not in the style guidelines anymore. Um, so you know, we'll figure it out, but we can taste it and figure out uh, where we think it fits. Um, yeah, so that's about it for the guide. Any questions on the guidelines? Okay. Um, Um, I think at this point we can probably, let's grab out the judge procedure manual, which is a little bit of respect. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about the, the kind of the, the overall, I guess, judging process. <laughs> Who's, who, who does what and uh, when you come to a competition. Um, so and technically speaking, anyone can organize a competition, anyone can judge, anyone can do all these things. They've got some manuals out there for helping people organize competitions um, and just trying to create a formal. Um, the, when you create, open a, or run a competition with the PJCP, you can register it there. That way that everyone has the ability to get points um, for judging at it. If it's not a PJCP sanctioned competition, you, you won't be getting points for accumulating in terms of your judging experience. Um, but they have a very, like, just a few standards, which is the, I'm going to provide basically blind tasting kind of format. Um, I'm going to provide feedback, and I'm going to do it to some set of guidelines. And um, those are the core requirements that you have for running a, a sanctioned BJCP program. You don't have to run it by their guidelines. You can run it by whatever style guidelines you want to You can up make with. up your guidelines as yeah. long as it's a guideline. Yep. Um, so... Um, so when you uh, when you go to a, a competition, we're, we'll, we'll talk about the, the people that you're, you'll probably expect to see there. Um, so there's going to be a competition organizer. That's the guy in charge of putting pretty much everything together, making sure the, the overall event uh, works out. Um, he technically can enter the competition. Or he or she, sorry, I do that a lot. Um, they can... Uh, um, they can I, sometimes they even judge. It tends to be a poor decision, but they're they're, they're there to make sure everything kind of works out. Um, next, you have the judge director, and he's the person here. She is the person in charge of managing the overall judging operations and kind of uh, I guess integrity for the competition. They'll typically do judge assignments, try to pair people together, make sure that people don't judge in categories that they've entered. Um, try, to, try to pair judges with more experience with judges with less experience so that every, you know, you're getting the best evaluation for every single competition beer rather than you know, putting together two very experienced judges who only judge you know, 10 beers all day and then the rest of the beers are you know, 
by novice judges or people who you know, just walked in and first time they've seen a score sheet. Yeah. Um, so a lot of balancing, trying to match preferences, trying to match all of that. Um, but yeah, overall in charge of just kind of the responsibility of ensuring judging integrity. Um, Ed mentions in here that the judge director and competition organizer frequently are sometimes the same person. It's all dependent on the competition. Um, so then, uh, basically, they're going to form flights, okay, uh, of judge or of judges, um, and these judges, each flight will have one judge who's typically appointed the head judge. Um, it's typically the person who's the higher ranking, or maybe whoever they uh, appoint to do that. Um, they're going to be responsible for helping moving the, move the table along, help come to consensus, um, and also have responsibility for filling out all the paperwork uh, that comes along with uh, um, all the different judging forms that they go through. Um, they don't have any more say in terms of the judging what score is it, it's going to end up. That's still a consensus decision that has to be reached by all the judges at the table. Um, and if people get into a fight and can't quite get uh, a consensus reached, they'll go back and then maybe they'll talk to the judge director and the competition organizer for extra support and coming to consensus. Um, and you got a judge, which is pretty much anyone who's made it through the BJCP program. Um, and then a novice judge, which is something brand new, and these are the people that they're going to try to balance out together to make sure that they have good coverage across all the different flights. Um, stewards, stewards are pretty much like the blood of the competition. They're in charge of bringing everything out, making sure you've got all water, glasses, all your beers are delivered. Um, they don't judge. Um, they shouldn't have access to any of the information about the competition. Everything that comes into them should still just be a bottle and a number. Um, but they're the ones that run around to help make sure that everything's kind of running. There'll typically be a bunch of stewards at a competition. Um, stewards typically are people who may be looking to get into judging as well. So um, it's one of those, if you're judging a beer and you have something interesting that you'd like to show the judge or stewards afterwards, they probably be very, yeah, very Something happy. like a really good beer or a beer with a distinct flaw, yeah. you know, that, that you're helping, you know, and, and listen to what the, the stewards looking to get out of as well. Um, you know, they are working their little butts off uh, to, to basically, uh, you know, fan you and, and bring you beer and water and take away your dirty dishes and, uh, you know, so that's it really it's what prevents, you know, things evolving in the Lord of the Flies um, very quickly. Um, so after that, it goes into the guidelines for conduct. Um, and honestly, these are things where if, if you couldn't oh, figure these things out on your own, I'd be worried about you. Oh, sorry. Um, no, no, no. We're still doing it. Um, they, they cover the like things like be on time, be respectful to other people, don't judge your own beer, don't judge your uh, best friend and significant other's beer if you know it's theirs, um, don't shampoo with uh, garbage water the night before so that you smell horribly bad or wear cologne or eat chili peppers during the competition. Um, so it covers all those kind of kind of things in there. Um, gives them what their roles are and what your kind of responsibilities are. Um, and just a lot of uh, just kind of the background of, of the overall process. So t take some time, read through this. This is probably this is probably one of those read it twice kind of things in, in the course of the class. Um, and you'll you should probably understand just about everything you need to pass the uh, all the true and false sections with regards to protocol. Um, a lot, a lot of don't be a jerk. Yes, is is the bottom line. Is you know, yeah. 
I mean, be respectful. Even if you get a terrible beer, don't loudly declaim how terrible it is because that person might be judging at the next table. Yeah. Um, and is, you know, you wouldn't want that said about your beer. No. Well, maybe. Um, I might need to hear it, though. <laughs> so, um, but it's, yeah, so it, a lot of logical stuff in there, but just take the time, go through. Um, the, these will correlate back to the, a lot of the true and false questions that we'll, we'll, we'll cover as we go through. Um, and the, the one catch with the true and false question is sometimes they word them a little negatively. Yeah. Well, they have both in the database, so if you assume that, you know, you, you assume you know the answer because it's obvious, you just got to make sure that they haven't flipped it. To, yeah. Yeah. Because they'll have like five questions that'll cover one topic of yeah. not eating jalapenos. Um, you should not, not, not eat jalapenos while you're judging. Um, kind of thing. Or you should make sure that you share mm -hmm. if you are. Okay, um, so with that, uh, we're going to start, I think we're going to start moving into um, a little bit about beer judging now, um, but uh, I guess let's, let's get started by taking a look at one of the, the sheets that we gave you uh, for filling out as we go through. So let's look, let's look at one of the score sheets. For, actually, let's look at the one that's in the binder, though, so we can go through an overall orientation of the, the beer score sheet, because that'll have a little more detail. So this is the BJCP um, score sheet. There are plenty others. There's they have a version of this. This is that is more checkbox oriented as well, which is they've just got a whole bunch of flavors and they they try they use that for the national homebrew competition second round. Um, they do it. Pretty good. <laughs> tap rooms actually closed on Mondays. Pardon? The tap rooms actually closed on Mondays. Google says we're open. For some reason, we are not. <laughs> uh, we just looked it up, and it's like, but we do have a place in town, so it's important. So, um, um, okay, so with the score sheet, I'll go through a quick kind of overview of it. Um, obviously, up front, there is the judge name, your ID, and your email. Um, a lot of people, you'll see that it's actually got that little box on. A lot of people end up putting out stickers to put on. Um, the, uh, the email aspect, so I don't worry that if, uh, about putting your email on there. Um, it's very much, I mean, very, 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 very few people get commented, and the comments that you tend to get um, end up being that either in response to a question, you may have asked them on the score sheet. I've, I've, I've asked them, hey, could you please send me information on what you did with this because I'm interested in helping you out a little more if I actually know that piece of information. Um, or they'll maybe write you saying, thanks, I, I hadn't figured out that all my beers tasted like Band-Aid. I just thought that was what yeast did. Um, and now that I know that I can go fix that, I, I appreciate the feedback. Um, so don't worry too much. Um, under that, you've got uh, your... Uh, Checkboxes for your rank and status. So most people right now would be putting in um, under novice. Um, but then after you or oh, not BJCP uh, qualification. Um, so you just put the. They've actually changed those, I yeah. believe. There's because there's now a provisional judge. Yeah. Um, and then, so you'd also have provisional judges and rank pending for people who are going through the process of uh, getting certified. Um, under that, you have uh, the major typical faults or potentially, and these aren't all just faults, some of these are characteristics that may exist appropriately in certain beers, um, 
but the, the basic overall kind of what, what the fault is and uh, the kind of descriptors that lead to it. Um, now you'll see in some of these, like uh, go look down at phenolic, um, you've got everything from spicy, cold pepper, smoky, plastic, uh, plastic adhesive strip, uh, and or medicinal. So if there's one of those that maybe pops up a little more, so check the box over by phenolic on the side and maybe circle smoky or circle plastic adhesive strip. Um, as, as appropriate for, for your beer. Um, but if you do, as you go through your aroma, appearance, flavor, mouthfeel, and overall impression, do notice one of these things in an intensity that is significant to your analysis of the beer. You definitely want to mark it off over here and do that in an exam as well. Um, okay, it, and we're going to keep going around to the bottom. At the bottom, you've kind of got your overall kind of scoring profiles in terms of the guides, um, in terms of where your scores should end up in terms of the overall kind of word classification. And then you've got a little uh, kind of a checkbox um, area for uh, the uh, how it is stylistically, how it is technically, and just kind of random. What, what was my impression of this? Okay, going back up to the top. So when you get your beer at a competition, it'll usually have a sticker on it, um, and it'll have a category. And so that category is going to correlate with something in your BJC or your, with the guidelines that you're working with. So you may get a category 8A, so you write down 8A, you write down whatever the entry number is, or letters, or whatever they're using. Write out uh, what the actual subcategory is that you're judging. Um, um, certain categories will have op optional descriptions of special ingredients. If they provided those, write them down. You don't need to write them down completely verbatim. Some people write dissertations in terms of this beer was fermented with uh, strawberries from a field that received early morning sunshine. Yeah. Uh, they were then dehydrated and then rehydrated with artesian spring water. Yeah. Uh, and all you need to write is snotty strawberries, okay, <laughs> um, in that area. Uh, and you may need to write uh, a base style as well. If it's like a specialty category, it's a porter once again. So, so like a fruit beer is going to have, there's a base category and a fruit edition, so it might be a Vienna, Vienna lager with strawberries. So you'd write, you know, special ingredients, Vienna lager with strawberries in the subcategory would still be a fruit beer because mm -hmm. that's that's what you're actually judging it under. Um, but the comments are giving you the clarity to actually judge the brewer's intent. Mm -hmm. And as you, as you go through the guidelines, if you end up judging one of those big categories that has unique things, the guidelines will say whether or not something is mandatory to put in or... Um, and that, that can be something that you use as a potential discriminator with a beer. It's, I mean, if they're misentering a beer, um, that, that's a fault. I'll usually instantly put it down at the bottom, and this may be more of the overall impression. Please provide the specialty information as required by the guidelines um, in the future. Now you can do that in all caps. Um, it'll help, it's one of those things that, as you'll realize as we go through the class, as you enter competitions, it greatly helps the judges if they know what they're dealing with, um, because one of the things that I think we'll be doing in this class is I'll give you a beer, I won't tell you anything about it, and without knowing where or what kind of style it is or what kind of things, it takes your mind a lot longer to pick up on flavors that if you knew that you probably should be looking for them, you, you write them down a lot faster, but because I'm walking into this kind of forest blind and the lights are just kind of coming out. How many people have had somebody hand you a beer and go, oh, tell me what this is? <laughs> you're just like, I... <laughs> so, I mean, you're literally on king and have to go pick out every flavor profile to figure out that it was working its way towards a pilsner, maybe towards the said German pilsner, but... Um, so yeah, having having a little clue will, will help people hone in on, on different flavor profiles um, as we keep moving through.
Okay, so then comes a kind of meaningless... Um, did you bring... Uh, no, don't worry about it. Um, do you mind grabbing maybe like one of his, his bottles? <laughs> yeah, so, like a wine bottle. That'll be great. Um, um, so, you'll get your bottle, um, and you'll... You'll have the take your maybe take a little look at it. See how how high it's filled basically up. If it's one of those really really high up to the top or really really down low, if it's not maybe within a, a, a knuckle or so, um, you may want to say it's a high fill or low fill. This doesn't have any effect on your score. It's more of a contextual thing of well, if it's really high, I'm going to have to pour it carefully. Or if it is really low, maybe it is something where they may have a little extra headspace and it may be a little uh, extra pressurization going on. Um, may take a flashlight, um, tilt it, see if there's any kind of scum maybe around the neck when there, there was left when you tilted it. If there's a ring, that may be a sign of infection, which can provide you a little clue for later, but also maybe warn you to put it over a dump bucket before you open it in case it's a gusher. Um, then you can also take a flashlight, look down at the bottom, see if there's a lot of sediment down there to know if you really don't need to pour it very, very slowly. It also gives you an idea potentially if it was bottle conditioned or if it was bottle filled. Um, uh, some people, it says appropriate size. Typically, as long as it's made it to you, the, the competition organizers have made the assertion that they're going to let you judge a beer. Um, you're not allowed to disqualify a beer because it's in the wrong size bottle, wrong shape, wrong color bottle, misappropriately labeled. That's not your job, or you're not allowed to do that simply. The competition organizer is the only person who can do that. Um, but um, you can say, if, it, if it's in a strange bottle, go ahead and take note of that. Otherwise, if everything is looking fine, just write, okay, fill, got a little light sediment or light film. Um, some people comment on the cap color. I, I well, that's just to communicate back, you know, oh, it really was my beer that was judged. You know, if it was in an American flag cap. <laughs> You know, then you go, oh, yeah, they actually got my beer. Because if you get bad feedback, you're going to instantly think it was a bad judge. <laughs> so, or, or something went wrong. So it's just one of those extra justifications that sometimes people do. Okay, so then um, as we're going to continue working our way through a score sheet. So look at the aroma. Um, and this is going to be on the exam score sheets as well. It says comment on malt, hops, esters, and other aromatics. We need to comment on malt, hops, esters, and other aromatics on every beer that comes through, whether or not you even perceive them. Okay, so well, not perceiving them is yeah, is, is addressing it. is addressing it stylistically because the style has something correlated with each of those. So, um, if you say there's no hop aroma to this at all, ever I'm drinking Bud Light. Okay, that's appropriate, but just make the comment of no hops whatsoever. Um, same thing with esters. Um, other aromatics would kind of either be if there's something that was uniquely put in there or some other faults as well. Um, then you've got uh, appearance, okay, and within this they've got five, uh, kind of, well, six-ish, I guess, major things that you need to cover. Um, so you've got color, uh, clarity, um, and head, and within that you need to comment on the, how well it's retained and it's a matter. So when you get it out, they're gonna, you're going to try to pour it in a way that you actually do build up some head, so you're not going to just pour it all down the side. Um, so you're going to try to get some head rounds in there, and then you're going to um, see after, because you're going to go through the aroma section. By the time you get to appearance, you'll see if it's dropped um, a significant amount or if it's completely gone in that time. I talk about the color of the head. Um, is it creamy white? Is it, um, is it tan? Um, and then the texture. Is it moussey? Is it um, fine? Is it coarse bubbles? And all those kind of things. We'll, we'll have a bunch of different examples as we keep going through. 
Um, then we move into our flavor. So in flavor has, we need to cover malt, hops, uh, fermentation characteristics, just the same as the aroma. Um, but then we have the critical areas of balance. Okay, so what, pro- what profiles stick out more or less uh, in this? And typically it ends up being more between hops and malts. This is going to be either decidedly balance is bitter, balance is malty. For some of the Belgian ones, you might want to throw in yeast as well as a, as a counterpoint as well. Balance is decidedly um, spicy and um, estery um, as the dominating character. So identifying one character that pulls itself out, um, one of the major families. Um, and then you have to talk about the, the finish and the aftertaste. And I mean, so after you've uh, finished a, a sip, how long does it last on your palate? What kind of profiles uh, linger with you? And then anything else, once again, faults, other kind of things, fruit that may have been in there, barrel characters and, and whatnot. Um, and mouthfeel, once again, these are mouthfeel. Just think all these things are tactile. So body, that's going to be the viscous or the viscosity of, of the product, um, how thick it feels in your mouth. Is it watery or is it uh, velvety and uh, chewy? Um, carbonation, carbonation is pretty straightforward. Is it high, uh, medium, and low? Um, warmth, you get any alcoholic warming um, as you're going through the exam if you just still write no warmth if you don't get anything. So once you start pushing over 5 or 6%, you can probably start moving into those ranges. Um, creaminess, uh, certain malts lend themselves to be a little creamier. Um, and then astringency, that kind of puckering on the side and your gums that you'll end up getting. You get a little on your tongue, but, um, but that's really more of a, a off-palate um, kind of sensation. And then other palate sensations. The only one that really always sticks out to me is uh, spicy. Like, I'm burning because yeah. I just drank a pepper beer, but um, I don't know if there's anything else you ever think of. Uh, you know, sometimes the carbonation come across as prickly versus, you know, creamy. You know, it's just sort of the, their, their slight differences. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all carbonated malt beverage, so, you know, it's... General. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then... <laughs> Yeah, um, chunky. <laughs> so, um, uh, so on the first four sections, these are your perceptions of the beer. You shouldn't be addressing anything regarding the style. So, you know, don't say hops are low for style because that involves you know somebody having to look up what they're supposed to be versus you know. Uh, so you know, keep keep this strictly to your perceptions. It's building your case. Or what's going to come out in the overall impression. Right. So don't don't wait. I mean, it's kind of like you're going through um, a legal case. You don't just go, all right, here's this one piece of evidence. We're done. This is this is the way it works. You build the overall picture, and so you focus most of these sections on building all the perceptions and explaining everything that you're feeling out, um, and then work into the overall impression, which is the, how did this beer come together as a style, as an overall pleasurable pro- product. Um, and what would I do to it, or um, well, how did it fit stylistically? How would I change it um, to make it um, more appropriate stylistically and technically? And we're kind of give your overall summary of where you came with the beer. Yeah. Generally, you don't want to start off with something positive. Hey, you got the bottle to the competition. Yes. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, to, to sort of you know, hey, this was this was a this was a very nice beer. This was a drinkable beer. You know, here's why I, my score isn't 50 out of, you know. Yeah. And here's how I might change it. And so on the exam, they break down how, much, how many points you get based off of perception, description, um, scoring, accuracy. scoring accuracy, feedback, and um, um, 
completeness. Okay. Um, and so you, you want to make sure that you have some good feedback because that's one-fifth of your score, um, kind of tying everything together and then going back to the, the stylistic kind of accuracy um, for that. Okay, so that's any, any questions on the overall score sheets? Yes? Up at the top, maybe you mentioned this name, but up at the very beginning it says ranker status. Mm -hmm. It says apprentice. Did, did that change to novice or what's yeah, so, the, the, the so novice technically was a person I think who is not part of the system no. and now they're just not BJCP. Apprentice is a person who took the online exam, passed, and got below a sixty on the tasting, on the tasting exam. So I uh, that that's I think the difference between well I, I I can't remember what they were beforehand. Yeah, it's they've they've changed several yeah. times over the last five years. Um, yeah, any other questions? Okay, so I think with that we'll go through a, 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 a tasting together. Um, so what are we, if you want to grab your, your first score sheet um, to, to practice. Does anyone have a score sheet? Everyone should. Okay. One thing I, um, I didn't understand, when you have the, you know, the score sheets that they, you know which time you are judging. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. We, you will always you always should know what style we judge, Peter. What style we judge? Uh, this is going to be uh, an American IPA. Okay. So everyone turn to American IPA, I think. which will be, and then we'll do the 2015 guidelines. So. Okay. Page 37. 21A. So on your score sheet, uh, if you want to write your name down, that's fine. Uh, but let's go category up at the top, uh, 21, subcategory A. Don't care about the entry number. If you want to spell out American IPA, that's great. We're doing this examination version of the sheet. Um, yeah, yeah, just for fun. Um, so uh, keep us walk, walk through the so you're going to get the bottle, do your bottle inspection like we described before, um, which for this beer really doesn't matter. If you want to write down served from Growler, you're more than welcome to. Um, the bore, hopefully the way that it runs, a little head, this is obviously a flat. So. Um, Essentially, the first thing you're going to do, you know, once everybody at the table is ready to, uh, to pour the beer, somebody's going to crack it and pour it. Um, generally, one judge will pour for the two or three people at the table, uh, and the first thing people are going to do is stick their nose into it um, to try to catch those fleeting volatile uh, aromas that can off-gas, you know, things like uh, a sulfur compound and a lager um, that's just going to be gone by the time, you know, if you set it down and look at it. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, I'm going to start writing whatever you start. I always recommend uh, writing everything in the order that you kind of perceive them. Um, I'm, I'll come back to this many times a day through the class. You want to try to describe as many things as you can as a vector. Kind of describe it as a flavor or a profile and an intensity or a direction of that. So is this a intensely fruity um, aroma? Is this a um, faintly or lightly malty? Those kind of aspects. Uh, and you really want to get into, like Mark was talking about with the flavor wheel, Third level, so you know, hoppy is level one. You know, Resonous. Citru citrusy hoppy is a second level. 
Uh, third Great. level is grapefruity. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Does everybody have? Uh, Everyone have some beer? Okay. Um, what? Somebody want to throw out uh, descriptors of aroma? Piney. Okay, piney. Fainty. What did you say? I said faint aroma. It doesn't have a lot. No, it's, it's fairly subdued, yeah. okay, for sure. So the funny thing that I get off of it is I get... Um, Star Wars. Like the oh, can, I can, that out. yeah, I get juicy yeah. from yeah. There, there's a candy aspect to this yeah. that comes off, or, or for me, juicy. Or yeah. Maybe a little. It's a very tropical, fruity, but maybe almost yeah. a fake, yeah. you know, manufactured yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little bit of pineapple. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about uh, malt? Light bread. Yeah, just a hint of marmalade, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. slight caramel. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, as you're going along, uh, and you've written down your initial uh, aroma impressions, that's when you start to switch over to uh, the appearance. Um, yeah, well, just kind of wrap up the esters. Oh. It was the esters that that fruitiness kind of ties in <clears throat> to some of the ester profile on this. <coughs> But yes, definitely subdued overall in terms of the aroma. Okay, so then moving into uh, appearance. Um, so the lighting isn't terrific, but you know it's uh, slightly dark golden. Yeah. So it, one of the great things you get is grab yourself a flashlight. Um, so you take a quick look. Golden uh, clarity is excellent. Yeah, you can. It's, it casts a, a beam through it, but it's that's still incredible for an American IPA. Um, you know, the head obviously minimal. Um, you know, basically, I got a, a, a tight bubbled collar, um, white, um, and a, a little faint sheen on the top, uh, uh, shaped like a dragon. Um, it's important to describe. Scary dragon. But yeah, no. you're, you may, if there's floaties in there as well, that's something to bring up. Um, as we get into darker beers, you may start noticing highlights and garnet highlights as, as you tilt it. Um, but obviously for a beer like this, you Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, and for an American IPA, it says that it can be hazy from dry hops. So, you know, it, even though it's hazy, you wouldn't necessarily knock points off uh, for it. Yeah. Um, you know, and then when judging, I usually then go back to the aroma and try to catch... You know anything that as the heads mm-hmm. dropped, um, you yeah. know anything that may have come out before I taste it and, and actually uh, sort of commit uh, to your aroma kind of yeah. aroma. You'll just probably want to come back to two or three times as you go through to make sure that the story is still all together in terms of consistency. Like like Pete said, as the head burns off, certain aromatics can come through. If you if you poured a three inch head, you're probably best starting on appearance. Um, yeah. um, So then we'll move into the kind of flavor. A malt almost came through first for me on this. Yeah, yeah. There's some maybe like some slickness to mm-hmm. Um Yeah, you get just the light bread crust in terms of the malts. Um, get that little uh, little caramel sweetness, and then it moves into the yeah. The, the certainly the, the breadiness of the yeah. uh, of the malt mm-hmm. was a surprise, and the dryness. Like yeah. it was so fruity, I expected a, a sweeter 
at least perception. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it is a growler fill that I got on Saturday, so yeah, there's a touch of oxidation. Um, Like, yeah, I mean, almost like a light wet bread kind of character to it. It's um, <coughs> and that might just be a little of the oxidation, just like the hint of the kind of mustiness. Yeah. <coughs> I think for the, the, the hops, it's almost more of a, like a, a cherry, pie cherry uh, flavor. Um, it's a little more. The mild resin in the back. Yeah, there's a lot more uh, uh, piney mm -hmm. uh, in the flavor for me than it was in the aroma. Finish leaves that wet cardboard oxidation lingering behind. Um, it's got a moderate bitterness to it. I mean, it's not firm, or it's not as firm as I would expect for a normal American IPA. And to that extent, it almost balances a little even. It, it might be a pale ale, <laughs> um, but I don't get internet access here, so uh, I couldn't look it up uh, before uh, before class. So, uh, but yeah, it's certainly on the lighter end of uh, of an American IPA style. So maybe we tell them that they misentered the beer. <laughs> um, finish. You get that. Uh, get that hit, a little hint of that butter. Try, dry, dry kind of almost a cracker note. Yeah. Um, and then just a hint of a lingering bitterness that, that finishes. Um, <clears throat> would you actually take off oxidized on the side or not? Yeah. <coughs> I think it, you know, it, it sort of just takes that mm -hmm. uh, that yeah, freshness right. off. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, medium, medium low body. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, medium low carbonation. Um, Boy, a slight warmth, no creaminess really. Um, it hits first. It almost has like a watery texture yeah. Right it's yeah, yeah, kind of that medium light. Uh, for the style, I mean, it's technically medium light to medium body, um, but it's definitely pushing the lower end of that for sure. Um, there is something which is left of the <coughs> tongue after uh, even a, a few moments. The taste doesn't go away. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's sort of the resininess as well that sort of lays on the... the, the Far back of my tongue. Mm -hmm. um, I think I made too. Yeah. Um, yeah, just that coarseness. Um, no, I'm not getting any real astringency on this. Uh, there's a, there's a slight pull in. But yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so overall on this, probably wrap this up by saying definitely not as hot forward as I'd like to see with an IPA. Maybe um, dealing with some oxidative issues. Um, consider entering this possibly as a pale ale, if that's what it was. Um, yeah, and may say I, I need some more aroma hops in particular, and some well, flavor hops too, I guess, to, to kind of alter the balance. Yeah, it's really that the, the, <coughs> I felt like the hops were present in the nose, not as much in the flavor, um, and it just seemed like it was on the low end for an IPA. Which it may not have been. <clears throat> so as you're going through the overall impressions, you should not bring up something that you did not reference earlier. I mean, you shouldn't say, oh, and by the way, it's phenolic, unless you mentioned that somewhere. So if you need to go back and say, oh, this is phenolic now, or something like that, um, make sure that all the comments within the overall impression are justified by something above it. Yeah, don't discover the diacetyl. Less, in the, in the overall impression, when you haven't mentioned it in aroma or flavor or taste, you know, I mean, it's... Mm -hmm. um, 
I'm sorry to interrupt, but no. if, you, if you're judging and you get some component late, you can always go on to the back of this course sheet. Yes. <clears throat> Not for the exam. No. One side on the No, but you'll have that all that space over to the left uh, that you yeah. can keep yeah, you can in. You can always go back and add, you know, a, an observation to aroma or flavor, <coughs> you know, and you can even, you know, draw an arrow over to the side. Pre yeah. Preface it with, you know, as it warmed up, I got X out of the beer. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just make sure it's it, your overall matches the something. It's not just your initial impression that is has to. Provide oh yeah, like it constantly evolves. Continually evolving. Yeah, um, and, and you can actually. It, it's so if, if you don't think something's there that wasn't that you thought there was early, you don't need to cross it out. You can say, hey, this vanished over time. Okay, um, so once again, your perceptions are correct. So then, okay, so now you you finished going through. Um, and this is where you need or. So each, basically, after you got your beer, each judge is independently going through and doing this. You shouldn't be talking, really, to each other as you go through this process. Um, so you've gone through, you've tasted everything. Now you need to kind of come up with a score. Um, once again, like, so you've got that scoring guide off to the side. Um, so a beer that's outstanding is, I mean, pretty much a, like, I'd, I'd start brewing if I had this recipe kind of um, beer because I could uh, create a long-lasting business out, off of this. I mean, one of the kind of one of the best uh, examples that you're going to find. Um, I I only given out a handful, I think, of uh, of outstandings in, in homebrew competitions. Um, excellence. Those are going to be once again very very uh, good beers. Definitely going to be within the style um, that you brewed uh, or that they're that they gave you. So this definitely probably wouldn't be within the excellent category. And then there's just maybe one or two things that they need to fine tune. Um, very good. Um, a lot of a lot of just really good kind of beers are going to fall into this range. Um, you're you're in the ballpark for sure with the style, and you just you've got one or two things that do need to be fixed in order for this to be um, a better score. So then, as you start moving down towards the good, um, you may be out of the guidelines. Okay, and this is kind of one of those if you're if you have a great IPA entered in the stout category, you really should never give it more than. 30 points, okay? It should definitely be the, you missed the mark on the style, for sure, um, even though it may be the world's best uh, I, I, IPA. Um, explain to them, better off entering into a different category. And then it's got some other faults and flaws um, as well. This is this is where you tend to have the, there's at least two or three things that are really going wrong with this beer. Um, fair tend to be harder to drink. Um, that you've got some sort of infection, you're you're completely, completely wrong on styles to the point where it's, in, it's confusing to <laughs> how they entered. Um, and uh, basically, as I said, unpleasant. Um, and typically, the lowest score that you'll end up giving is going to be a 13. They tend to say that's the lowest score. And those beers, I mean, literally, you probably need to be wanting to spit out or I, I think I've given out like one or two. And I have a hard, had a hard time just trying to sip it just to get... All right, I'll take you one full sip of this. I'm done. Um, so it, it really, really has to be bad. It's really hard to actually get a score that low because it is... So we, let's look at the different kind of uh, scores that you have. So on Aroma, you've got up to 12 points. Appearance, you've got three. Um, flavor is where the bulk of the points are, 20. Mouthfeel, five. And overall impression, 10. 
Now, I mean, if a beer shows up on the table and it's at least ballpark in the right color, um, it's, you're going to have to give it some points for appearance for that. If it has smells that still have something in it, it's still going to earn a few points. So it's going to be really hard to get below 13, Or, but um, generally speaking, if it's pretty bad, it's going to be in that 20 and under kind of range. Okay, so now for this beer, um, as we as we go back through it, let's, I mean, think about where we'd end up maybe with the score on this. Um, the aroma didn't really, it, for an American IPA, did not really embody it very well, okay? It didn't really have a really firm, kind of punchy in the, in the face, um, kind of hoppy aroma. It wasn't offensive, but it just didn't quite carry that kind of character through. So I don't know, maybe we were, um, I don't know, seven or eight, or... Where did you oh, sorry, I was trying to look up what styles, styles we're tasting okay. so I can get the box. Uh. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, we're... Uh, so this is taste? Aroma. Aroma? Yeah, seven, eight. Yeah, Jerome, thoughts? Oh, seven. yeah, seven. Okay. Um, appearance. Uh, apart from the uh, the head retention was probably the one big downside of this beer. So that's probably an area where I'd dock it either a point or a half point. Um, probably in this case a point. Um, color was pretty. It's on the lighter end of an IPA for sure. But um, well, at least I can't. Well, seems to be really it's on the light end, but still within the guidelines. Um, and the clarity was great. Yeah. Um, so I'd probably still have to put about two on that. Um, you? Two? Yeah. Okay. And it's, it's only a three-point section, yeah. so... Not, not, yeah. not a huge deal. Um, now, now, this is where we... <laughs> maybe we should, probably shouldn't talk about that, too. One of, the, one of the approaches is to, after you've been done with the beer, go ahead and take a look at the overall... Um, is it outstanding, excellent? What range do I want to have my score end up in? Um, and maybe try to figure out where you're going to need to end up and try to work some points back from there. Because as you move into flavor and then the overall impression, you've got a large way to, to dial the knob to, to adjust the, um, the, the, I guess, your overall score. But kind of, uh, I've got off of uh, flavor, once again, didn't quite have the right balance for an American IPA, um, wasn't offensive, didn't really have any major faults, just the balance and the, the flavor profiles were a bit off. I'd probably be down in like the uh, 12 or so. 11 to 12. 11 to 12. Jerome, ballpark? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I'm just Okay. I might be a touch higher, but that's. Okay. Um, Mouthfeel, uh, just once again, a little bit on the light side for the style. Didn't really quite pick up the warmth. Uh, was a little, little bit thin on the body. Carbonation, I think, probably was a little low, too. Yeah, that would be um, the biggest fault. So, yeah, that. I'd be in the 3 to 4 range on that. Um, and then for overall impression, it, that's it's just kind of, this is where it, it really didn't, it wasn't a bad beer, but it just didn't hit that IPA kind of range. Um, so probably down in the 6 or so points for that, and I have no idea how many points. But anyway, I'm guessing I'd be in the low 30s overall. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times you'll, you'll go through and you'll score it, and you'll get down to the bottom, and you'll think to yourself, well, that's too low, or, oh, that's high. Yeah. How did I, uh, and you go back, and, uh, you know, because you, you know what the end score is kind of going to be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and most beers are going to be in that 25 to 35 point window just because, yeah. you know, to deliver a truly exceptional beer, uh, you know, to have the correct recipe, to have it delivered at the peak of the beer's life. You know, especially in home competitions where brewers are, you know, oh, I, I brewed an IPA four months ago, you know, well, that's going to show up, you know, on the judging table because it's, you know, a little bit past its prime at this point. Um, 
uh, you know, and have it served, you know, in a flight where it really stands out to be judged with, but, you know, I mean, it, it takes a lot of things going right to, to get a 50-point beer or a 48-point beer, mm -hmm. um, and generally, you know, it's, it's that bell curve. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, any questions? Okay, so uh, with that, we'll start to move into the fun part. So, um, just so you know, that was uh, Pelican Sea Hops. Um, filled at uh, Total Wine and Federal Way on Saturday because we realized we didn't have a beer to do this with. <laughs> so, okay. So um, now we're now we're getting into the the, the tasting part of the Forever class. So today we're going to be covering the, the new family of amber multi European lagers and amber bitter European beers and dark European lagers. Um, these, they, they did a very interesting job of regrouping all these uh, families. So if you want to turn to uh, category six, we'll start off with those. Um, so, okay, obviously in general for these styles, we're going to be looking for um, malt balance um, in terms of the overall product. Kind of integration of what we're going to be seeing um, with the lagers, we're going to be looking for some nice kind of clear, clean fermentation profiles. Um, since it's going to be European, they're typically going to be using kind of noble-ish hops, uh, but we'll talk about those uh, a little more uh, later. Um, but to, let's see, um, I not I can't say for sure what styles he was able to grab this week. Um, but for the category six, we got Martin, Rauch beer, um, and uh, Dunkelbach. Um, so Martin, we're going to be looking for some nice kind of intricate multi-profiles, um, kind of expressing a bunch of the uh, um, Munich uh, malt and some Vienna malt in there as well. Rauch beer, we're going to be bringing out some smoke character um, from uh, Beechwood character, um, smoke malt. Um, and then as we look at Dunkelbach, we're getting into a, a bit stronger and very, very malty. Um, Pretty intense kind of uh, character um, on the dark side. Do you know which of the. Um, do you have a Martin today? Uh, Polliner Oktoberfest? Is that on the list? Yes. Then that is what we have. Alright, so if you guys want to grab sheets, so we'll pass around bottles. Um, just grab um, a. You're only, only going to need probably about a half full or a half fill with these glasses, I think, to make sure you can... Yeah, there should you know. be three to four ounces per person. Maybe a little bit more since we're light on uh, attendees. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Alright, so what do people get on the initial roll with those? Yeah, rich malt, toasty bready, nice crust. Just a small hint of a little alcohol note. Um, restrained floralish hot. Smith apple? Yeah. Anybody else? We'll charge into it as well. <laughs> Not per se, right? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds weird, but there's I do a little chocolate, like very dark. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. It's a little like Hershey bar kind of cracker or like yeah. Mm -hmm. Almost like you're smelling a wrapper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's got a beautiful copper. Uh, would you actually call it copper? Uh, yeah, this is you know, pushing into light copper. Mm -hmm. um, amber. Yeah. Um, very, very nice clarity. The head did stick around for a little while. Um, Fell to a nice kind of thing across the top. Just ivory, yeah, off white, off white. Quite um, a little variety of bubbles there. Rich malt, maybe a little more sweetness yeah. than you'd necessarily expect. Yeah, think of a Venus character. Um, a little, I mean, with this kind of toast, you, you walk into a slightly cardboardy thing occasionally, but not, not too bad. the sea. Yeah, there's a hint of a honey character in there too, which is usually what you get when you get an oxidized malt. Um, the almost grime cracker. Um, it's a spicy hop. Yeah, fairly low mm -hmm. hop flavor. Restraining mm -hmm. um, bitterness, just enough to kind of support the malt character. Definitely of the that spicy noble mm -hmm. type. Um, yeah. Maybe a little white pepper. <laughs> Balance of the small tea for sure. Um, nice clean fermentation profile. 
um, kind of leaves you with that lingering toast and a hint of a hint of something a little fruity, maybe. Oh, or kernel, I don't know. It's almost raisiny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a question. How do you determine the uh, uh, fermentation, the low fermentation, uh, nice fermentation, or you the just clean, said before the clean fermentation? Yeah, clean. I'm not. Well, I mean, despite the the one thing that would have probably thrown us off is that Granny Smith apple that, that we got initially. I don't, I don't get a ton of that within the flavor. But if I'm not picking up a lot of esters, if I'm not picking up um, the fruitiness, uh, phenolics, um, it's really the oh, fruitiness nice. yeah. that uh, that you get from ale yeast will will give a lot more of the mm-hmm. the general fruit. You know, apples and pears, um, you know, all sorts of fruit notes. Uh, Whereas with this, it's really just more of a nuance. Like, again, once again, kind of getting that white raisin with the, the slight hint of it. And some of that small induced as well. Um, but yeah, just not picking up real uh, pronounced fruitiness. So could that, that's where I would end up calling a clean lager fermentation profile. Moderate, moderate light body. Um, how do you feel about the creaminess? I don't, I don't think I'd describe it as mm-hmm. you know, maybe slight creaminess. Yeah. It somehow doesn't come across as that uh, that pillowy mm-hmm. mouthfeel. Yeah, moderate carbonation. Um, yeah, I, I, again a little hint of warmth, and, but I mean that was just also popped up a little in the aroma and the flavor too. But otherwise, still once again these can be up in the six percentish range, so you can just kind of edge in. So this is uh, one of the styles that they broke apart from the 08 guidelines. It used to be Oktoberfest slash Merzum uh, as a single category. Um, so we'll cover Fest beer next week. But I was really freaked out because I'm like, why well, I already bought Polliner Oktoberfest. Why? <laughs> why? Why? And then there are all these Oktoberfest examples. Uh, um, but to separate out the uh, the amber-colored Oktoberfest lager from what they typically serve in Germany, which is a lighter, um, you know, closer to a Hellas, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Do they used to have Vanilogger included in this as well? I think they did that the as well. Yeah, they, they, they saw the best yeah. in uh, 7. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, again, they moved a whole bunch of stuff around, and it, I don't know that it... You're going to hear us stumble our way through. Yes. Yeah. This is really our first foray into the 15 guidelines, mm-hmm. and, you know, for my entire judging career, we've used the 08... Learning together. <laughs> yes. So. Um, so, yeah, once again, nice round, uh, malt balanced, um, delicate, nothing, no major flavor profile that's going to come out in a greater intensity than just kind of everything else. It's not that you're get monster bread kind of cross. It's just a nice kind of well-rounded um, uh, German lager. Um, it's got some of the history in there, like brewed in March, kind of used for the festivals. Just interesting stuff. That's more important, I guess, for the um, for the written exam. Um, for your ingredients, you should be looking at mainly using a bunch of Munich malt in particular, noble hops. Um, they call out a decoction mash on this as well to help get that really nice full malt profile. We'll talk about decoction mash later. Um, so as we look at the kind of comparisons about what we're getting into, this should be not as strong as the Dunkelbach that we may be trying just a bitter, and less 
like Peter just said, less rich than what a festival Where did, where did you drop the bottles? I did one there. One there they needed some extra and one you covered for us. And then we needed to drop one more. Okay. So, um, next we're going to move into 6B. Uh, Roke beer. Uh, nice, fun beer. So everybody have bottle opener? Okay, so this is going to be um, a beer with a nice, firm uh, beechwood smoke character to it. Um, so we're going to be getting some, maybe some bacon going on here and um, other kind of neat smoky aspects. Um, but similar to all the ones in this family, it's going to show, showcase some darker malts in general. Um, uh, but in particular, it's going to really bring forward that, uh, that beechwood age character. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to steal this truck. Yes. 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 So, and this, as you go through and taste other different kind of beers with other different kind of smoke characters to it, other different smoked woods, this is definitely the, the, the beechwood, uh, the smoky kind. Which makes it a little hard to pull pretty much anything else from behind that. You get the intense uh, smoke notes. A little bit of uh, bread crust behind that. Um, borderline, I mean, borderline impossible to pull out hops. Not A really hammy hop character. Yes. Uh, yeah. Ham, ham's a great descriptor. Bacon. No, but it's really more of the ham range. Yeah, and ham, like the ham skin. Yeah, the ham skin. Yeah. Yeah, like a honey baked. Yes. Yeah. That uh, extra dark. Yeah. So th this, when you're filling out a score sheet for a beer like this, you will probably want to mention very difficult to pick out certain characters behind this overly intense um, uh, smoke character. And once again, it says, well, you, you always have to love because it's low to high smoke flavor. Pretty much any smoke flavor um, kind of in it. But smoky. Anyway, certainly much darker than the uh, the previous uh, Merzen example. Yeah, it's a rich brown. Yeah, it's got a slight haze to it, but I don't know if it's anything significant. It's just it's only it's, it's it's the smoke inside the beer. Um, like I agree. I don't know how to call it. Yeah, I mean, I guess I might even do a light tan. Yeah. But it could be quite a It might be a little. Um, kind of fell relatively quickly, of course, the layer bubbles. Fairly intense smokiness. It almost comes across as salty because you're expecting that ham. Mm -hmm. um, you almost start salivating a little as you're tasting it. 
Then go um, back to the ham sandwich I had before I came over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you don't get you get a lot of smoke flavor you don't get a ton of intense phenolic characters um, you know a, a Belgian yeast can produce a lot more smoky mm-hmm. like it's not really, a nasty smoke yeah yeah, yeah. Um, this is gentle like pipe smoke from grandpa mm-hmm. um, so just a hint of a Dark, lightly charred bread crust behind it. Um, fairly dry. Um, again, bitterness is almost <laughs> integrated with the smoke. Um, just a, enough smoke or kind of, uh, sorry, uh, bitterness to carry through and not making this horribly, cloyingly sweet um, uh, event. Very, very low floral, if anything. The smoke may almost pull it into a um, earthy-ish note. The um, ounce is decidedly smoky. Yeah. Malty. Um, lingering, obviously, kind of uh, hammy smoke finish to it. Um, it. It's a little monodimensional, you could say. <laughs> Um, for a smoke beer, yeah. you know, when you start getting into like oak smoke malt and, and things like that, that that smoke tends to be a lot more aggressive, mm-hmm. um, and you you really have to dial back its usage. Uh, you know, as, as far as smoked beers go, these mm-hmm. this is, you know, now, is this one actually one hundred percent smoked malt too? Yeah, yeah, and and for for the style, you can go one hundred percent and. Sometimes even people say you could even go more, and then you're confused when you get those score sheets back. <laughs> but I used it all. Um, yeah, they do their own malting, and so mm-hmm. all of their stuff is done over the traditional beechwood fires, which is you know how beer would have been done 300 years ago um, before uh, the, the advent of uh, coking coal. Yeah. Um, let's see. So. Moderate body, moderate carbonation. Um, uh, maybe a hint of astringency, but I'm just just a little bit uh, light alcoholic brittle, but that's uh, nothing nothing too over the top. Um, just a really interesting, great with food um, kind of beer focused on expressing the, the beechwood malt character. Any other thoughts or? Anything else that people picked up as we went through this? Take it up into kind of a seven-ish percent up, or close to a seven percent range in terms of alcohol, and carry with that that intensity as well. Um, you might want to reach your glass if you're going to use that one again. Um, or burn it.
this is not listed as uh, one of the style examples. We have a fairly limited number of uh, uh, traditional bonds uh, available to us. So hopefully this It's uh, supposed to be low to none dark fruit character. I, yeah. So, you know. Take that with a grain of salt for this one. A little bit of, a little intense for that. Low amounts of a lot of different <laughs> yeah. dark fruits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, together. The dark fruit store. Mm -hmm. um, beautiful. Borderline mahogany body. Yes, mahogany. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I got brilliant clarity. Light tan head. Once again, felt the coarse layer or uh, mixed layer across the top. Yeah, I'm really getting the uh, cinnamon now. Mm -hmm. Firm malt sweetness uh, with uh, so it the it, it takes on a little more of a bready character in the glass than it did um, uh, in the aroma. Still have some of that nice dark fruit fig, um, bruised plum. Um, Christmas, Christmas pudding, I think, is a good mm -hmm. you know because it's they spray it with brandy, mm -hmm. you know, in the lead up to Christmas, so you get this very rich alcoholic. Mm -hmm. um, Bready, intense fruit uh, character. Yeah, you can taste the alcohol on this a little. Um, it's it's sweet, obviously malt balanced um, in this case, um, or in all cases <laughs> for this style. Um, just a, a smattering of bitterness in there to uh, to not make it completely cloying. But fairly well attenuated. It's not even on its own. It wouldn't be terribly, terribly sweet mm -hmm. uh, because there's you know the residual sugar has been mm -hmm. 
fermented down. And you'll notice as we go through the class that alcohol itself has its own sweetness um, that it, it'll contribute, so you can start to pick up a little of that character as well. Um, so you wouldn't call this really sweet? But sweet, I mean, it's leap pushes towards sweet, but, not but at the same time, it's, it's also kind of dry. So cloying is really where sweet becomes unpleasant, and that's that, like, you feel like, uh, you know, You've got sugar left in your mouth, whereas this finish is relatively dry. You know, it's gone. There's a, a lingering, uh, you know, dark bread and yeah. dark fruit notes. That sort sticks of, with you more than the, just the sweetness does. Yeah, yeah. cloying. You sort of think of like, well, I take another sip, and it's even more, you know, sugar it's left. It's getting harder and harder to finish this. Really nice dark fruits. Um, kind of coming nice moderately full body to this. Um, fairly low carbonation, or just moderately low. Um, you'll notice that within most of the, they'll go low, medium low, medium, um, medium high, high for, for most of these descriptors. You can do that on the exam as well. I just, the one thing that you don't want to do is medium too high, okay, because you're, a beer is not a range, a beer is a line, okay, of definition, so don't say it's medium to high, just say it's moderately high or something like that. Instead. You just put a dash instead of the, the word too, two, and it becomes medium high, and you've called it out. Yeah. Uh, don't don't get uh, whiffly waffly. Yeah. Little bit of warmth, yeah. I actually, I can't perceive the warmth as much as I can taste. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there's a little bit of uh, volatilization, you know, while it's swishing around uh, on your tongue, mm -hmm. um, but it's yeah, it's not hot. Yeah. Once um, um, again, firmly malty, interesting kind of characters. A lot, I think on some of the other examples, you get a little more of the toasty kind of characters as well. This seemed to be a bit more interestingly fruit oriented, um, but. Um, kind of starting there. The, it's in the quote history of this is started in Einbeck, um, so that's where you get kind of your Bach from, um, the, the name for all that kind of family. Um, ingredients Munich, Vienna malts. Um, occasionally, people will throw in a little bit of dark roasted just to tweak the color, but not the actual flavor. Um, just enough uh, European hops to make it not um, cloying, and then a nice uh, lager fermentation. That should be about it. Any other thoughts on this? I found some smokiness still, but that might be from Yeah, I, I was going to say, about halfway through this, I burped a little too. I'm like, oh, there's a smoke. Oh, no, never mind. Um, but, yeah. Okay. So, next we're going to move into 7A, Vienna Lager. Um, so, this is a... Wait, actually... Um, this is a style that um, obviously originated in Vienna, um, but then kind of died out, and but was interestingly um, revived in Mexico. With Would you say that it's a lager or an ale? <laughs> a little lot. Um, but it's a your amber, your European beer. Um, there's, we've also got another bottle. I don't know quite. Um, but got, anyway, got picked up, carried through in, in Mexico, which is pretty much where it all lives today. Um, we have some and, um, you know, and Negro Modelo and all those kind of ones. 
Um, so they actually, in the guidelines, they talk about, uh, yeah, they talk about that many uh, Mexican amber uh, used to be more authentic, but are now more like sweet, adjunct-laden, amber, dark, international lagers. Um, I went with the 2008 guidelines, which called out Negro Modelo. So we're going to expect this family to be more focused on uh, the, the bitterness, um, hence the amber bitter European beer. Uh, but we're going to get. Um, but it's going to be using similar base uh, malts, you know, Munich malt, uh, Vienna malt. So right up front, you get that nice kind of bread crusty um, character hint of well, maybe a hint of caramel, but um, very very soft floral hop character, just relatively clean, um, kind of just a simple elegant, somewhat monodimensional bread notes coming forward. And once again, just that hint of a hop in there. Pick up a little pear. Pear? Is it? Would you call it pear? I call it pear. Okay. Yeah, and as you go through, you'll start to realize the difference between pear and and green apple in there as well. Anyway, the, the pear is going to just be a little more of a, an ester profile, so much as when you're moving into the green apple, you start to worry about acetaldehyde and, and the off products with that. And we'll talk about those as we get into the, the yeast products. Pear is fair to say, for sure. Um, nice, nice reddish amber, for sure. Yeah. Similar to the, uh, the Meritzen. Yeah. yeah, deep copper, or moving into copper. Um, Brilliant clarity, once again, just a slightly off-white head. Falls to a coarse layer around the glass. Yeah, I think about the only other, other thing I get on the aroma is just a hint of sucrose, kind of just a little sugar note, but just a hint. The cola. <laughs> In that kind of direction. <laughs> So flavor-wise, you know, you've got that uh, that same bready component um, and sort of fills out the uh, the initial taste. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, hot flavor is fairly low, mm-hmm. uh, not terribly evident. The pear definitely pops in yeah. again <laughs> in, the, in the flavor. Um, <laughs> medium bitterness, maybe medium low, but with the uh, the low gravity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just enough to kind of balance out. Again, I don't know if I would call this amber bitter European lager, but so much as just balanced yeah. uh, lager. I get a slightly metallic. Okay. Yeah. No. There's that hint of a well, a tinny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. In the finish, in particular. Yeah. Get a little pear in the finish as well. <coughs> and but then um, the the kind of the bulk is still that kind of that bread and it it almost clings to your tongue a little bit. Yeah. Moderately light body. I definitely would give this a little creaminess to it. 
Um, yeah, it sets how the, uh, the the bread is expressed. Like it feels like the bread is filling, mm-hmm. uh, especially covering the tongue. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. There's something having on it, but it also goes to the, the tinny mm-hmm. uh, a little bit as well. Um, I don't know that I would call this soft, elegant malt complexity, but mm-hmm. if you're on the beach, it would be. And maybe it's wearing business casual, oh, yeah. but you know. <laughs> Yeah, just trying to be a nice balance kind of beer, be as clean as possible, carry enough malt kind of character forward, and obviously get enough of that up. Once again, up mainly for the bitterness, not really for the flavor um, in there. Um, ingredients, Vienna malt is, is appropriate for the, the name. I'm going to use some uh, continental hops. Once again, something you maybe give just a hint of spiciness, but otherwise just kind of to play the background. Um, the extent of color variation, because Vienna is going to give um, just a, a moderate color, but it's not going to quite get up to these. So, so they may um, use a little bit of coloring or a little bit of uh, specialty malts just to get the color into place to get that nice kind of um, amberish um, body going. Anything else anyone made or noticed really on this? All right, all beer. Uh, again, not uh, called out by the guidelines. Uh, yeah, this is. Did they merge the two for this? Yeah. Okay, so there used to be a North German alt and a. Um, what was it? Dusseldorf salt. Okay. Um, yeah, this, this may not be uh, terribly in the ballpark. Okay. So. Um, now, all beers in general, these should be a bit more on the hoppy side um, for, for the style. Um, still have a nice kind of all complexity with it, but pushing for a little more of the uh, German hops. Uh, so let's see what we got. So what are we trying? This is Munster uh, Alt by Pincus. Okay. So this is uh, also a uh, uh, a uh, ale fermented yeast, okay. or ale fermented, fermented beer, beer type. Okay. Um, so it's interestingly fruity and apple, yeah. and cinnamon, but. Um, yeah, it's like a fruit cup. Yeah. Um, a lot of different things like the sweetened fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, Delmont and Delmont, yeah. 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 Sweetened, <laughs> sweetened pears. Mm-hmm. It's Jolly Rancher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jolly Rancher. Yeah. Green Jolly Rancher? No, it smells like a green Jolly Rancher. I'd go with that. Very light. Um, for an, an alt beer, um, yeah, it's wondering it's uh, in the amber yeah, category. Like I said, this is uh, amber I may have <clears throat> swung and missed badly, okay. but it's a learning moment for all of us. That's <laughs> about how bad I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, I mean, there's that candy. There's it's also just got sweetness. Yeah, um, it's just sugary. Yeah, I think very light brown sugar. Mm-hmm. Yep. Slightly tan white sugar. Blend. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if I'm really getting the hop kind of profile that I might want to. Yeah, I don't really get much. Well, um, there's just that one bit slightly wet and bread. Just slightly darker than straw. Mm -hmm. uh, firmly hazy. Firmly <laughs> hazy. <laughs> Pretty white, but that felt relatively quick. Just falls off like mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of kind of watery. Watery. But See, I think there's a little bit of green apple in this yeah. as well. Pass it on hide. Yeah, and the cardboard is sort of down underneath for me, so I'm like, well, that's not the worst part. <laughs> the apples are decomposing on the cardboard. Okay. Um, I don't want to say sherry body, but there is like almost a wine vinegar kind of. Yeah. Vinous, maybe yeah. a little. Um, I kind of get like a cedar tobacco while you're walking me through the door. Yeah. Yeah. You said mousy? Mm -hmm. There's actual mouse in the mouth. <laughs> it's organic. And oddly enough, it was in each of the bottles, too. <laughs> <laughs> we all get different parts, though. <laughs> um, yeah, it's got, it definitely has some perfumey notes to it as well in the finish. Um, that lingering fruit. Um, <laughs> applesauce. Um, a bit missed, really missed on the bitterness level for this. Um, it's surprisingly not terribly sweet. Mm -hmm. like it's mostly just that fruit. Um, and the, the body is very light. So, anyway. <laughs> I guess I hate to remember maybe a Rainier cherry, but... Um. <clears throat> you just find yourself after that. Um. So I guess the lesson is avoid the Moonster Alts. <laughs> All right, it's because they say all doesn't make it Yeah, it's slick. Um, yeah, just moderate carbonation. Yeah, moderate ish body. <laughs> slick. Uh, so, you know, a typical alt is going to be tart. ale fermented and then lagered. Um, so you're going to get some of the, the aging characteristics where the uh, the beer is uh, relatively smoothed out through the watering process. Uh, oh, we got three of these bottles. Alright, because Alex didn't have a color beer for us to use, we're going to 
I have one in the fridge. I don't want you. Um, so Keller beer basically just means unfiltered. Um, lazy lager. Lazy lager. Um, so this this is a category where uh, if you if you kind of read through it, um, you know it'll say at the very end of their entry instructions. The un- entrant must specify whether the entry is a pale Keller beer based on Hellas, amber Keller beer, or based on Martin. Um, so I think today we're dealing with a. This is a pale. So light Ooh, color. Yeah. So the the one thing is they usually say, you know, this is supposed to be a young beer. It is a lager that has not been lagered for very long, it hasn't been filtered. But like for example, you can get a little of the sulfur notes um, yeah. up and up front. Um, so I mean, the, the what's in the descriptions and, yeah. and the flavor is going to be um, rye products not frequently found in well lager German beers. So diacetyl, sulfur, acetaldehyde could all be in there. Just not objectionable. Um, so you can get sulfur for sure, or I, I can at least get sulfur. Yeah, there's a there's a. Sort of a mineral character. Mm-hmm. Uh, light, uh, floral, florally hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, malt is fairly it's so, subdued. Yeah, it's like and kind of nondescript. Um, it's more than just malt. Ooh, sort of. It's, it's graham cracker, I think, where it's there, but you really have to uh, mm-hmm. dig for it. I'd, yeah, almost. Bowls get, bowls get the kind of raw maltish kind yeah. of notes to it. Stick your head in a fresh bag. Um, got a moderate haze to it, which probably is going to be acceptable for the style because it's not going to be lager. Yeah. Maybe a goldenrod color. Mm-hmm. Off white corset. Somehow still light notes of smoke from the smoke beer. <laughs> Flavor, I get more seed aldehyde to it. Just a little bit of like green apple. No, I think there's a fair amount. Okay. Especially yeah. as it lingers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Did you open your mouth afterwards and talk? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and that that takes dominance over the sulfur at this point. Lightly toasted, or just just a lightly toasted bright white, I guess. Um, it's got a mod- the, the the bitterness definitely pops up. Compared to the last beer, um, it's certainly the most bitter we've had yeah. so far tonight. Mm-hmm. Kind of just pushing a little over over the edge. 
Um, floral, perfumey, kind of hop notes. Bright clover. Um, I think the apple opens up into to more of a green pear as well. Mm. You know, I feel like there's it's beyond acid aldehyde. Mm-hmm. Something else in there. Yeah, it's other fermentation character too. Yeah. This is a young beer, but it does have that young. Yeah. Young Off the tank. Yeah. So I, I guess as you're reading through the descriptions on these and realizing how short the aroma, appearance, flavor, mouthfeel, they reflect back to the base style. So this is one where you might have to flip back and forth when you're judging um, to figure out how that comes out down. It definitely lingers with that apple hint of um, sulfur, and um, and then a little bit of that bread, and but just enough of that kind of bitter note too. So they 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 did a good job with kind of bringing the immature characters together um, with the beer, um, which is why if you have a bad beer, this is a good category for bad lager, or you didn't you didn't figure it out in time, consider this category. <laughs> so. Um, not saying that Keller beers are bad, Alex. Don't worry. <laughs> but I, this, this is one of those things when a few years ago, Colin had a lager that he was brewing and he didn't quite finish it and he entered it into kind of a Keller beer that won the OS. Um, because it was a great Keller beer. I may or may not ship the beer last Friday. Copper, amber, copper, 
Is that, it's getting close to brown. Yeah, it's pushing, you're right. chocolate still in there, just a light, just kind of um, de-bitter chocolate. Actually, maybe better, but... Yeah, I mean, it's sort of moving from the, the Meritzen, which was a, a toasted bread crust, into a much richer, more... The, the Maillard reactions have, have developed a bit further. When you said walnut, I definitely get something for, like, oh, it's but, but toasted for me is, is, you know, it's not that, that raw line. There's certainly this is that sort of dark bread roll, mm -hmm. like you get at Stuart Anderson's, yeah, Black Angus. Yeah, it's not quite like pushing pumpernickelish, but I mean it's just that yeah, that rich dark bread, toast, scum still. <laughs> Mild, somewhat light or floral up. Overall, there's a bit of roast malt, so mm -hmm. like a, a charred paper. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's what lingers <laughs> the most for me. In the finish, for sure. Yeah. Relatively clean lager-ish notes. I'm not getting any mm -hmm. off fruits. Yeah, once again, green bottles. Don't use it. <coughs> Alex, God damn it! <coughs> I mean, and maybe as you notice at the very end of the glass, some of the skunk is gone. At this point, it's not as bad as when it started, but yeah, it's still there. <coughs> but it's you know a, a rich. Mm -hmm. Malt showcase that doesn't finish cloying. 
Yep. Fries um, out nicely. Maybe using a lot of Munich, maybe a few other kind of uh, specialty or sorry, um, like space malts, maybe a little Vienna in there as well. But <coughs> just boosting up the hops a bit more from some of the other. Okay, and I think we're wrapping up kind of um, with a short spear. The important thing in competition is you've got to have a clever uh, beer name for your short spear. It has to be Schwartz be with you. And oh, you taking notes? Because yeah, we we give the judges the name of the beer. Too. Yeah, we don't even plot the bottles. It's all about the cleverness of the name. So here we're going to be bringing in a bit more kind of roast malt character than we've seen with any other beer so far. Um, but still trying to make, not to take it into a char, char kind of note. And this is a Kostritzer, which is sort of the uh, classic. classic. Yeah. A nice tight head. Key course bubbles in there and pour. Well, that being said, on the first note, just smell the head and just get a unburnt charcoal. Um, <coughs> yeah, it's it's that's it's. it's it's like, it just feels like it's not quite all the way burnt, but it's, no. it's right on the edge. Yeah. Character, maybe slightly perfumey, slightly perfumey. Yeah, Jerome, any help? <laughs> you get anything? It's like a little ashy. Yeah, it's that's like it's just, just that, like, that just light up front, uh -huh. neutral ashy. Yeah, but I swear it's killing everything else. That maybe I'm maybe starting to move into just a hint of cha or coffee. Yeah, I, that's what I would say is like a really dark roast. When I swirl it, I get just a slight bit of sweetness yeah. that is just very, very dark raisin or uh, slight chocolate, milk chocolate. opening up to a red, dark red crust. Once again, still that, to me that just kind of unburnt charcoal. 
flavor. It's mm -hmm. you, you get well, it's German Pilsner, but with that added note of ash, sort of straight through. That's some dark fruit. Um, Stew plum. <laughs> yeah, plum. Yeah. Have a ton of, of depth, I guess. Yeah. And though that this doesn't need to have a ton of depth to it. Essentially, it's a brewer's dare. Mm -hmm. You know, take it as close to, uh, you know as much roasted grain as you can throw in without uh, maybe a light charred apple skin um, and a, a little white raisin white raisin white raisin I don't need enough raisins <coughs> Bitterness definitely kind of supports and kind of almost evenly balances. Finishes nice and dry. No <coughs> oh, sweetness, but yeah. yeah. Linger is like a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. but yeah. Lingers with some char. Not, maybe not the world's best for it. I think it's also uh, you've got that slight bit of cardboard. Mm -hmm. So it really amps up the, uh, the, the charred note. Mm -hmm. Medium low body, medium high carbonation. Mm -hmm. um, Little astringency. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you can sort of feel it pulling in the, the top and the corners of your, uh, your mouth. Yeah. yeah. Better than a light beer to drink on a nice day, maybe, but yeah. I think we're, I feel like we're pulling it apart too much. <coughs> Getting anything else? Husky. Husky? Husky? Yeah. Okay. <coughs> so, for ingredients, um, you should be kind of working, um, well, Munich. Filter just to kind of get it up there, and then just a small amount of uh, some ro roasted malts. You tend to like to use the carafas to get that that color in there, and just that subtle without bringing in something like a, a chocolate or a um, black benton malt to get in this horrible roasty burnt kind of uh, character in there. Um, enough bitterness to balance. So, but once again, using the continental kind of German hops, and yeah, that's what it. Okay, so that's week one. <laughs> um, for next week, um, we're going to, well, I'm not going to be here, so Peter and Jerome are going to. Um, maybe. Maybe hey, Jerome and I show up. Yeah. Uh, going to help carry, uh, carry things through. Um, for homework, um, so the things that we have, if you haven't looked through the things that we already told you, a quick look through, go ahead and look through those again. Um, now that you have your binder documents with you, and we've just reinforced as a result of that. <coughs> um, look over the faults checklist. Um, it's that one nice one-pager. It'll cover all 
pointing some of the major faults. Um, there's some extra areas of the BGCB exam study guide um, that, that we'll want to cover. We're going to, once again, go look at the uh, troubleshooting and then the overall judging process. Um, and next week you have some of the more boring beers, unfortunately. Um, you've got the, the American uh, light lager, and at least we're moving into the international lagers from the Pale Multi uh, European lager. Um, but in general, we're going to really just focus on um, the judging process and how to fill out a score sheet next week. Uh, work kind of our way through that, uh, the overall process one more time, go through, practice uh, a couple score sheets, um, and then move into the vaults and tasting kind of area after that. Um, it, this the first class usually goes a lot longer, so for the rest of the class we'll probably be back down towards the. Okay, they're all going to be four hours after this. Uh, I actually think the first class is usually shorter. We'll figure. You, you guys will make uh, the. We'll put the uh, audio recording up. Uh, I'll send a, uh, a link if you want to subscribe to it. For some reason, you want to listen to us. Yeah. Well, more if you miss it. Relive, class. relive <laughs> last night, tomorrow. Yeah. Um, um, Pete will also list out what beers we covered in case you do want to go taste at home and kind of review through and maybe not taste one or two of the beers that we <laughs> <laughs> found as a result of whatever you hear. Um, Jerome? Uh, kind of on that note, I know from my experience that part of preparation for a successful exam is drinking a lot of beer. So you should definitely be drinking other commercial examples. Like, you know, keep an eye out for a proper, you know, like, a proper Dusseldorfer alt beer. That pink, this wasn't a great example. Mm -hmm. And even other commercial examples of beers that we've tried. Because that'll help you uh, get a broader perspective on what that flavor profile should be yeah. for each style. Now it's it and grab a score sheet. Just take notes. Just get just practice. Kind of. But if you're not writing it down, just yeah. practice going through it in your mind and coming up with those. You know, a three level descriptors uh, and vector descriptors where you're talking about intensity. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So have like the flavor wheel next to you and just say, all right, in the aroma, let's pick up one of the. Let me find something on here that describes what I'm um, smelling in the aroma. Okay. All right. It's bready. It's I'm working my way. Okay, I got down to it's toast. Okay, um, and just just slowly work your way through different beers and try to get those kind of those those perceptors. I mean, what at the end of the day, our major job is to change the sensory experience into something I can explain to someone else, and they can go, "Oh, okay, that's what that was," and then try to figure out a way to either recreate, alter um, that beer to to make it a little more appropriate for a silent if it, if it is in a competition or something like that. Any other questions? Yes. Jerome, when did you start? When did you take the exam? You were one of our first nationals, I think, of the state. I worked the, the competitions for two years, and in 2005, I took Alan Board and Tom Schmidlin's class prior to the exam they hosted over at Redmond, <laughs> and completed the exam. They I know this exam format is different. One of the, it was a good exam. I finished, filled it out completely, put the last read on the page, right as time was called. So I was very proud. I, my goal was to complete the exam and just kind of let the score fall where it would. So I completed that. And then I've just been judging. It, 
I can I cannot stress how difficult that. I mean, it was basically uh, you, you were being hazed to get into the BJCP, having the three hour yeah. written with tasting, yeah. you know. So, because you, you're concentrated on the written part and you're, you're trying to all keep everything in order, <coughs> and then someone would run in with a beer and yeah, some jazz flash in your face, too, run away. No. Taste it. You have to, you know, focus on that. Go back to the exam. Pick up where you left off. Yeah. yeah. There were the feats of strength, and then, yeah. Those were the lies. That was really the hardest part, was that 500 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. um, before you go, Alex and Dion can sort of guide us as to how we can best clean up 